Hello and welcome to Earhopper Presents. Let's talk about. This week, I'm talking with Vicky Lampton. I met Vicky at work. Vicky's a cool chick. She's a cool human. And we talked about a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, we recorded this episode in the Hotel Utah, which is a place here in San Francisco where I performed. It's a great live venue. They have great food. Kind of like a one of the last holdouts in an otherwise overdeveloping area of San Francisco, Soma, south of Margaret. And we got into a lot of uh, talk about the where and the finance and what we do. Vicky was in the military, as you'll hear, and you know my father was in the military as well. And it's just interesting to see how that led to a career now in tech, amongst other things. So yeah, it's a really noisy episode. There were a lot of Thursday night revelers anticipating the weekend, but I hope you enjoy it. Here's Vicky Lampton. Hello and welcome to Earhopper Presents. Let's talk about, and today we are in the beautiful Hotel Utah in San Francisco, California, and I am with Vicky Lampton. Hey! And Vicky, normally I discuss this before I get started with people, but how, how would you describe yourself to the crowd right now listening to this podcast? Like some people would say, I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> I'm a fashion designer, and this doesn't have to, this doesn't have to, doesn't have to, uh, do anything with like what you do for a living oh. just like how would you describe yourself you know what um i'm none of those things by the way um <laughs> you know what i i don't even think i can be defined i'm kind of an anomaly an anomaly yeah well that's good because you and i talked uh we had some tacos at iron cactus dollar tacos so good by the way they were good <laughs> and uh we decided to talk about being outliers which i think is a pretty good broad topic um and I can talk about some of my experience from that. I'd love to hear your experience. But the first thing we want to know is, why did you agree to do this podcast? Because I'm one of those people that'll try anything once. <laughs> but hold on, you said you want to start a podcast <laughs> while we were eating tacos. Yeah, I do want to start one, but I've never starred in one, though. Right. Well, so you're the star. The this is you. Yeah. So. What, um, so what do you think, like when you think about, um, you know, doing your own podcast um what got what gets you excited like what got you thinking i want to do a podcast too i mean everyone else is out here making money spreading all their opinions why not me and my friends <laughs> so wait hold on are you gonna make money with this podcast oh yeah i mean how does course. that work um because i need to figure it out too <laughs> i don't know advertising monetization i don't know just kind of the same way that youtubers get famous yeah yeah i think and we were talking a little bit about podcasts when they first came out, like, because I'm, I'm middle-aged. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. And so am I. when I was going to school, <laughs> I, I don't believe you. When I was going to school on the school bus, they always listened to AM radio. Mm. Growing up, I grew up in western Pennsylvania um, in the middle of farm country. Wow. And my bus driver would always listen to AM talk radio. So when podcasts first came out, like, started hitting, like, a couple years ago, I'm like, it's just like AM radio all over again. It's like giving people a chance to talk. Yeah. Because I feel like we kind of have gotten away from conversation. 
Really? Because well, I feel like the world is so opinionated at this point. <laughs> is it? But are we? Yes. <laughs> but do you think that it's conversation or is it more just like, here's my opinion on yeah, things? Yeah, you're right. It is opinions. Dialogue. Dialogue's the yeah. word that maybe I'm looking yeah. for. And there needs to be more conversation. I think it's more like everybody's like the know-it-all of every topic and right. they're just like volunteering their opinion. They really don't know what they're talking about. Right. Um, and there needs to be more like free-flowing dialogue. I think it, people are so opinionated that when you try to have a dialogue, it's like it's overpowered by opinions and people don't feel comfortable enough to open up and kind of have a discussion. Like people seem to get they get shy almost if yeah. they feel like, oh, wait, this person doesn't agree with me. I'm going people to stop. Are really aggressive with their opinions now. It's like and, and do you think that's crazy. because like people can find other people to agree with them? Like at least online? Yeah. If not like at the family reunion? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> trolls are like, that's that's the number one job in America right now. <laughs> trolling. Professional <laughs> trolls. Yeah, absolutely. Professional trolls. So, okay. So we talked about you doing your own podcast. Do you want to talk about like what you envision for that? Like... Because I'll listen to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, people are making money doing less, right? I just figured a bunch of girls sit around in their pajamas and gossip. Why not? <laughs> we do it all the time. Why not make money and do it? Do you remember, like, the first time you had, like, a sleepover and you felt like you were free to, like, just say whatever you wanted without, like, some, you know, adults adult supervision around? Well, the first time I had a sleepover was when I was grown because I grew up in a very conservative, um, religious type of environment no and I wasn't really allowed to breathe wrong. So I wasn't, definitely wasn't allowed to have people over or go sleep over anyone's house. So you weren't allowed to leave either. To do oh that. no, no, Got no. It. I couldn't even, it was even crazier. I couldn't listen to like the music I wanted to listen to or anything like that. I was the one that was recording with a tape, um, tape or cassette player. Yeah. Um, my favorite songs off the radio and that would be my playlist mixtape. I, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. Do pe people, probably people, young people don't do that now. Oh, like they no. don't record things ever. No, they have MP3 players and iPods. And Did you used to decorate the tape cases? Like do, <laughs> did you do like a decorated cover, like a cover? With yes. All the songs? So you know how they have the little plastic cover the, or the little paper cover you can put yeah. on it and label it. Yeah. I used to do that. Same. Did you put themes together? Did you oh, yeah. theme? Oh, we did all Do you that. remember any of them? Like right now? Not really, because it's always a mix. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a Gemini, so I'm all over the place. Um, so I might have all kind of different kind of music. Never a theme, and even still in my life today, it's never a consistent. There's theme. never a theme. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, our listeners can't see you, but you have a very great personal style. Like Thanks. I always, I see you all the time in the office. I'm like, hey, <laughs> and most people walk by me and they they're like oxygen. It's just there, and I'm like, hello. <laughs> so I think you have a great personal style. Thanks. So I can't see, even though you're a Gemini. I can't see that like I uh, maybe maybe your outwardness. Yeah, pretty scattered. Yeah. I can I can be talking about like airplanes and then talk about dogs and then talk about the weather in like the same couple of minutes. So you're saying you should have a podcast? Yeah. Okay. Probably. Got it. That's basically where I was I was going with this. So I wanted to talk about one of the things um, that I think is so unique about you is that you were in the military yes. at some point yes. and it's rare nowadays for me to meet people our age that have served. And I'm curious, I guess my first question would be like, tell me about your time there. And then the second thing would be like, what did you learn there that like kind of propelled your more, more 
like your career now? Yeah. In your I modern learned, times. I learned a lot. So my parents signed me over to the military when I was 17. <laughs> wow. But you know what? I wasn't mad about that because I was trying to get the heck away from them. You can so, swear. You oh, can swear. Cool. I was trying to get the hell away from them. Or you can say the F word too. Freaking crazy asses. Yeah. Um, so they signed me over to the military to be my guardian. And um, the military raised me, pretty much made me into who I am. Grew me up really, really fast. Yeah. Um, What branch of the army? Army. Okay, army. Yeah. The real deal. The real, real deal. Where was this geographically? Um, So when I first came in, I was at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Okay. Um, Then I went from there to Germany, and I lived in Germany for a few years. Um, Got married super early, as most of us do in the military, like 18. I was married. Yeah, my sister, same. Yeah, but I wasn't even ready for that. It was so crazy. So I went to Germany and partied it up, so my marriage didn't last that long. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) ex-husband. It sounds like you could talk about it in a healthy way, which is Oh, yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, so I had a good time over there because I was literally like 18, and so I could drink, I could do everything, party. There was no limitations. Yeah. Um, lived over there and then came back to the States, um, was at Fort Hood for a little while in Texas, um, and then went to upstate New York in the freezing, frigid fucking cold um, for like three years. Which part? Um, about an hour from Syracuse, oh, about wild. 20 miles from Canada, wild. in a little town called Watertown. Um, and Fort Drum was the base. So, and Got it. yeah, went from there and um, where'd I go next? Back to Germany. And then, where did I go from there? <laughs> so you, how long were you in the military? Like 13 years. Like, wow. Yeah. So, 20, so like till you were 30? Yeah. Math right? I just got out in 2013. Wow. I spent like six years total in Germany. Got it. And never wanted to come back here. Yeah. Why did you come back? Um, I because hear other I countries are cool. Yeah, they are. They're <laughs> a lot cooler. And um, came back here just because like... Over there, I didn't have to have a passport. I just went everywhere on my military orders. Yeah. Um, and then came back as soon as like I was done. They signed me somewhere different. Came back and went to Virginia. So I was then in Newport News. Ended up spending a lot of time there in Virginia Beach, and I got out from there. What? Um, since we're talking about outliers, can we talk about the first time you went to Germany? Can yeah. You put yourself in that headspace for. A you minute? know what? I felt more at home in Germany than I've ever felt here. Go with that. I want to hear why. Um, because they're just, first of all, it, people are just really friendly yeah. there. Um, and then the younger people, they they are so obsessed with American culture. Yeah. And especially, like, <laughs> African-Americans. <laughs> so so because you're black, they're like, wow, oh, yeah, tell us totally all cool. about you. And it got a lot of the black dudes laid because all of the all of the German girls loved them. Yes. Interesting. Yes, they loved them. Super um, interesting. <laughs> but I went over there, and because I was different, it, was, it wasn't a bad thing over there. They embraced yeah. me and my culture and, and wanted to be more like it. So this is like... 80, late 80s, early 90s? Ah, funny. Um, My no. math is not always good. <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s? This was, yeah, this was, I was there from 2000. Got it. Until um, 2003. Then I left, came back in 2006. Sure. And got out of there 2009. Got it. Yeah. So when you went back, talk a little about, like, the experience you had that first time you were, I guess you were feeling like, because you were different, people were paying attention to you. Yeah. And then when you went back the second time, kind of knowing that already as a, not only are you an outlier in the fact that you're not a German, but you're yeah. also not a white person. Yeah. What was the difference as far as like, 
maybe how you like because you already knew that going into mm-hmm. it, right? Maybe you know you're going to be this unique person there. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought Germany was going to be like horribly racist. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're kind of taught that. <laughs> yeah, that's here. what I, that's what I thought. But literally, they had um, when I was there, there was some kind of. Um, like a Nazi demonstration and there was literally thousands of Germans protesting it. So Got that's it. when I knew like, okay, these people are people. Like, yeah. And, um, I don't know. I made a lot of friends with a lot of local people that I'm still friends with today. Amazing. Awesome. And I wish I could go back and stay forever. <laughs> um, I'm first, the first thing I'll say to that is you could probably, yeah. <laughs> um, if you designed your life that way. Yeah. The second thing is what is in your experience, what's lacking about our country? on that level I think it's just the openness to just being open to humanity I think that the biggest problem is we don't see everyone as equal Mm -hmm. and we should we're all stuck on the same planet (laughs) you know what I mean so um, I think that's the problem we kind of categorize ourselves too much in America because it's not just black white then it's like Democrat Republican then it's like even more you know People listen to hip hop music. People listen to rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, it's just like we seg- we compartmentalize ourselves so much here mm-hmm. um, instead of unifying. And there's there's so much more power in that. I agree. Do you think those kinds of differences are? How much do you think those differences are related to commerce? A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that a lot actually in the Silicon Valley mm-hmm. area. It's 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 like a caste system here. Yes. Isn't that crazy? It's like. Rich, poor, yeah. like San Francisco. I was telling my friends like not too long ago how it bothers me, how it bothered me when I went to Dreamforce. Um, I went to a big, huge tech conference, and it was like it cost like fifteen hundred dollars to get a ticket or something like that. And literally, they would let us out, um, you know, for breaks and stuff like that. And there would be like homeless people everywhere. Right. And it's like reality. Yeah. And then the illusion of grandeur yeah you know and walking along inside each other and these people would just literally just right and it's like that here in san francisco a yeah. lot i was everywhere. for a couple of years i was working down near airbnb's mm. office and it was okay. just it was this irony that there was like a tent city right outside the yeah. airbnb office that is no longer there by the way because they've they've basically changed it so you can't put it like you just literally physically can't put a tent there yeah. but i'm like here's airbnb which is all about you know sharing space yes and here are a bunch of people and in in fact i think it was wired or some magazine did an interview with some of the folks that were quote unquote living there and a few of them were ex-tech people like they had they were part of like the first boom and bust and like never got back on their feet and they're like i i stay in the city because there's the most resources for me on the street which is crazy there's a lot of engineers that are homeless here in san francisco yeah i mean you know, and people love to, I have this, I have this new thing. And, and I think we, we kind of spoke a little about knowing people that have, um, mental illness, Mm -hmm. um, earlier before the mics were on. I have this thing where I think mental illness is the new, um, easy target anytime something bad goes on. Yeah. So there's a homeless problem. Well, it's actually more of a mental illness problem. Oh, there's a gun problem. Well, it's actually more of a mental illness problem. Maybe it's the economy. Uh, Well, maybe it's prioritization. (laughs) Maybe it's what you just said, which is we're not looking at each other as, as we're all kind of in the same boat here. Yes. Um, so I guess the big question is how do we fix that? Do you have any answers? (laughs) How do we fix it? I mean, I don't, how do we fix it? 
what do we do? I mean, I've, yeah, that's, that's actually a realistic question because yeah. it starts with us. Yeah. Um, you know, just volunteering in the community, trying to give as much as you can to causes that actually yeah. aren't corporate causes, but causes that actually, you know, your money is going into the hands of the people that need it yeah. to get them what they need. Yeah. And I'm not talking about all these things that corporations do like, Hey, we're donating to this this month or two cents to this, this, you know, every time you take a ride, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. talking about actually getting out in the community and being at the soup kitchen, serving soup. Yep. Yep. Things like that. Yep. Um, you know, St. Anthony's. Yeah. And, and maybe not worrying so much about where your money is going when you give it to a homeless person right. and just giving it to them. I, the homeless, when, when homeless, I should say homeless, I, maybe they have homes, but people that stand on the streets with cardboard signs and they try to get like creative. Yeah. Like not going to lie. I want this for beer. I or, give it to him because, right. Hey, he might need a beer. No, it's, it's true. And I think, <laughs> I think it's interesting when we talk about outliers, we look at those people as so different than us. But really, they're just, we're the ones in a little box. Yep. Driving and that could past be them. any of us. It could be any of us. That's a great point. Um, okay, can I go back to Germany for a Absolutely. second? Absolutely. So, uh, long story longer, uh, we were in Vancouver, Canada okay. um, a month ago. And anytime I go somewhere now, I, do, I notice whether there's homeless or there's people on the streets or not. And there were some folks in Vancouver that were clearly like, you know, probably on drugs or out of their minds a little bit. But the way they interacted with the people walking down the street, it was a Saturday night and it was like where all the bars are. It was like no big deal. Like no one was like walking around them. Like there were people like playing guitar, you know, for money. Like it all kind of like blended together. Mm -hmm. And I, we had a conversation, um, my fiance and I, about is it the result of how a community like how they like how they move because they just had that thing here where everyone was appalled that all these people were shooting up in the BART station a couple weeks ago. I've seen ago. that on Snapchat. Yeah. So, but Which, somehow people are like, it's, it's happening right in front of you, but yet people are suddenly here like talking about it. I, you know what I think is most crazy about that? Okay, it's happening in front of you, but you yeah. know how many people in the corporate world are drug addicts? All of them, most of them. I don't okay. know, do we count caffeine? Do we count no, Adderall? No, I'm counting like Adderall, Coke, totally. um, meth. Yeah. Um, all of those drugs are yeah. being very widely used yeah. in the tech community yeah, yeah, yeah. with people that are dressed nice and making loads of money. Sure. So what makes them any better or any different than a person living on the streets that's on drugs asking you for money? Right, right. And why also do we look at them like they're different? I they're think that's not. the bigger thing. Like, where do we find that compassion? And I don't know, like, sometimes, especially when I listen to, like, some conservative radio people type yeah. people, like, they always talk about the good old days. <laughs> Those days weren't good, I'm especially like, not for me. I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Or, like, um, my gay friends couldn't, you know, be gay in public. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they talk about this, like, idyllic thing that somehow only exists in, like, a Norman Rockwell painting or something. But you know what I mean? That wasn't real. Those people had real problems behind closed doors. Right. And it was, no one ever talked about them. Yeah. You know, like I, I can look at the, my family history, other people I know's family history, and they're just full of skeletons in the closet. Oh yeah. That no one wants to talk about. Yeah. So that gets me to, is it better that we have the more open culture now? At least we're identifying these problems, even though we're not, it doesn't feel like we're making a lot of progress in fixing them sometimes. 
like what's better? Is it better to acknowledge the stuff? Yeah, I think it's better to acknowledge the stuff. I mean, back in the day, they were having the same exact problems. They would just hit them well. Now this is the age of information mm -hmm. where everybody's dirty laundry is aired, yeah. right? And I think people are just having a hard time dealing with stuff in it when it's out there. Yeah. So taking it back to being an outlier, um, we were talking about your experience in the military. So then I want to get back to that. Yeah, of course. How did you make that transition to now you work as a people person in tech? Like how, what, what happened in there that like got you to where you are now? Cause I kind of got way <laughs> off. No, it's that. fine. Um, I think I got tired of them sending me to Afghanistan and Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> Germany Honestly. fine. Afghanistan. Iraq. Yeah, that wasn't the best. And then I was always like, I'm a mom and I was always away from my family. Got it. Um, and I got tired of that. But I mean, even now in corporate America, I feel like I'm always away from them. Got it. Because so, you're just working all the time. Yeah, pretty much. What pretty do you much. think, like, when you do the A-B taste test between that life and the one you have now, what's the one thing that, like, is constant? As far as, like, your skills, what you felt. Like, when you have your day and you're like, I did my job today. Like, what's the one thing that maybe you can see the, the connection between, like, that life and the life you have now? Hmm... Can you put that in a different way? So I'll give you an example. Like I went to college, and I was a theater person. Oh, I was and a, a communications, in high yeah. <laughs> and I was a communications person. And yeah. Now I feel like I get paid because I know how to talk and I know how to. Same thing. I know how to build bridges and I know how to take information and like condense it and sometimes get people like to figure out what they're trying to say. Yeah. So that's the thing that's kind of my whole career, which has been all over the map. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that's held me. I was just curious, like. Yeah, same thing. Because people here military, it could be. You know, I don't like. What did you do in the military? Were I you... was HR in the military. No way. Uh, yeah. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Great. And I, I mean, I was like, I worked at a brigade level, so I was supporting like a really high-ranking officer, mm -hmm. and so I kind of the whole political, politically correct shit that goes on in corporate America. I could relate to that because I went through that when I was in the military. Because it probably happens even yeah. even worse. Because oh yeah, because everything is ran by the rank on your chest. There. Got it. And just like everything's ran by the title right. behind your name right now. So like that's you're a director or you're a VP, that means your your voice carries more weight. Yes, and you're a lot smarter than all of us slowly people. But no, really, those <laughs> people <laughs> those people are usually just as smart as you and me. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I kind of feel like things are changing a little bit. Like I feel like when you have these, you know, for better or worse, twenty mid twenty somethings making millions of dollars, starting their own companies. I kind of feel like it came to a head for me watching Mark Zuckerberg like in front of the Senate. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like say what you want about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. But at the same time, you kind of see that this old white man bullshit of them, like they're the ones that are in control and they're the ones that are in charge. Yeah. Like it needs, they just need to die. Like they all just need to die. Yeah. And, and like when I think about like, cause I'm, it's weird cause I'm a 45 year old white man. But <laughs> when I think, when I think about a lot of the problems and challenges and, and things that I, I upset me, it's because of this weird, it's like we talked about earlier, it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, but the original sucks. Yes. Or the original never was very good. Exactly. So in some ways I feel like the tide is turning. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like at some point Mark Zuckerberg was an outlier, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And that's what's weird. When people go, like, I always use the Metallica analogy. Like, Metallica was this underground band in the, like, late 80s and early 90s, and someone would give you a copied tape, and they're like, oh, shit, what is this? This yeah. is amazing. And then all of a sudden, people are like, what a bunch of sellouts. Like, 
suddenly Metallica becomes the man, and Metallica becomes like the commercial, like no one wants to be that anymore. Yeah. But at some point, there's like a switch that flips, and I kind of feel like when I was watching him in the Senate hearings, I'm like, this guy was like, they made a movie about this guy. He was a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. And they were just like sitting up there, like. But I'm like, this man literally was making millions of dollars in his 20s. I saw that whole thing as old money versus new money. Yeah. Like, you're still in college trying to get through your second Harvard degree or yeah, something. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I feel like they're getting intimidated because, what, Bill Gates didn't graduate from college. Yeah. Right? In tech, that's why I love tech so much, by the way. Ooh, Bec- tell me more. Because literally there's an opportunity for everyone to be successful. Yeah. And you don't have to fit that typical profile. Yeah to be successful and make a lot of money. Do they call it merit- meritocracy? Is that what they call oh, it? Really? I think that's the word where you, you get ahead based on whether you're doing the job, whether you're good right. or not. I might be wrong. Don't, See, back in the day, it was all me. based on your degree. Or, who you knew. Yeah, who you knew. In some it's ways, still it's still, still I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, kind of, but not to the extreme like it like it was back then, Yeah, where it was like, you know, I'm not even going to look at this person unless they have a degree from, from a top-tier university. Yeah. Now, it's like... No, I want the best talent yeah. I can find. Yeah. I don't give a damn what their background is. Yeah. If they're phenomenal at the job, and the thing is, like, people are starting to see, and companies are starting to see, like Google. We want to innovate. We're pushing forward thinking. Yeah. We need we need people that are have atypical backgrounds. Yeah. That are non-conventional. Yeah. That are think outside the box. The yeah. most creative people have the most chaotic. Live and Google was like the opposite that. like that for a long time. Oh, like, yeah. Didn't you need a, a degree of some sort oh, yeah. to even get your get your resume looked but at? But then they did a lot of analysis and found out, you know, people from those backgrounds, it just doesn't determine success. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you want the best engineer, you got to be open to, this guy was self-taught. He taught himself. Yeah. Code. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. what? He didn't go to, you know, this school or that school and he didn't spend years Yep. Test the quality of his code. It's up to par. It doesn't matter if he learned it in six months or a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Have you, what's the biggest break you think you ever got? Like at any point in your life that comes to mind? I think Accenture gave me my biggest break. Okay. Um, and Accent, tell, tell, the, tell anyone listening that doesn't, that don't, they, oh, people so that don't know what Accenture is. <laughs> yeah. They're one of the um, big, big four um, management consultancies, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was my first big name on my resume. Yeah. They literally reached out to me. Um, it was kind of biased because they reached out for me for like a veteran recruiting position. So but they wanted to recruit veterans. Yeah, Got to it. be recruiters. Which is To like, recruit other veterans. It's kind of like you should be running that. But you know what? I pushed through that because I didn't want to be siloed sure. into being just a veteran recruiter. Sure. And I was in that role and I'm like, you know what? I have a bigger dreams than this. Yeah. I love my vets and yeah. everything, but... I feel like it can help them more yeah. if I'm in another area in the business. Yeah. Um, I can advocate for them more. I can be in front of a manager and help them understand a veteran background or what they did or their resume and yeah. stuff like that. So I went and interviewed for the digital team and got the job there awesome. and helped veterans from that standpoint. I can help a lot more. 
um, as opposed to just looking for vets to push to managers, right? Yeah. I was putting the veterans in jobs that they wanted to be in, yeah. right? Because a lot of times in the, these different industries, they'll push vets towards operational type jobs, like, you know, worker bee type positions, because that's how they, that's what they think of us. Yeah. But you know what? We're creative too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I wanted to, you know, open more doors and opportunities for veterans to get creative in the tech industry. That's awesome. Yeah. So in that case, like the veterans were outliers. Oh yeah. Which is so funny. Like my dad's a veteran. He was in the Korean war. He's probably, it's going to be 88 this year. Mm. And it's funny to think about how I feel like there's been a big switch in how people like when he came out of school, when I'm sorry, when he came out of the military, he went to school on the GI bill. And then he said that changed his life because as a veteran, he was given this thing. And now I feel like we're all, we're constantly hearing about how like we're not even paying attention to veterans the way we should. Oh, which no. You're kind of like confirming that when yeah. you're saying like, how do I get these people out of some space where it's like you're you're like just working on being a veteran in a space versus just getting you into normal roles. Yeah. Yeah. It should be whatever they want to do. Right. Shouldn't be pushing them towards certain kind of roles operational roles, yeah. execution, you know, things like that, like factory type of roles. Right. Um, you know, because I see a lot of companies roll out these initiatives and they're like, oh, veterans, we want to hire this many. And I'm like, what are you hiring them for? Why? And they're yeah. like, oh, we want them to all be operations managers here. I'm like, what if that's not what they want to do? Right, right. Are you opening doors for them to be like a UX designer? Right. Are you opening doors for them to be like a product designer mm -hmm. or anything like that besides project management or operations manager? Mm -hmm. What are you looking for them to do? So it's just all about opening doors for them to be able to pursue any path that they want. Yeah. And this is something that we talked about over tacos. It's kind of like, like, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Like the idea of we need to, I'm going to use it, diversify our staff. And why is the question I always ask? Because I feel, and, and then I'm going to shut up, but <laughs> I, I've seen it done okay and I've seen it done really poorly. Yeah. I've seen it done where it's a PR stunt, not not even a stunt. It's I say like, that all the time. And I, So and we work in hiring, so... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I just, I'm curious your thoughts on it because it is a PR thing. I feel, um, it's, and it's, it's really sad because it's across the country and now it's like across tech and it makes me really sad. Um, do you think it's sad because of why they're doing it or do you think in the end, like it won't matter? Like it's, it's both of it. And, and it's really sad because the reason why has nothing to do with making your team more diverse. Yeah. You know, it's just because there's a lot going on in this country and the climate is this kind of there's a lot of tension because of racism and stuff so they're trying to be like okay you can come here there's lots of black people and hispanics here you know <laughs> right. it's a beautiful place right but it's like no i don't hire me just because i'm black right hire me because i'm good at what i'm doing right hire me because i'm good at my job not because you have to meet some kind of metric right right because then people are feeling more pressured to hire like i have to hire this person this black person because right. i don't have any black people right and we don't want to lower the bar yeah i hear that all the time exactly i'm like well maybe so, we're not looking at the right things anyway exactly like, across the board right right so i mean it's it's the motivations behind it yeah and when you think about it it just all comes down to revenue and money and how can we make more money and how can yeah. we be more politically correct and how can we be more appealing as the nice fun yeah. tech company where everybody wants to be yeah um, you know, where everybody feels like they belong. Yeah. But 
there could be tons of diversity and I could still feel like I don't belong. Interesting. So you feel like an outlier no matter what. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm more about diversity of thought than I am about Same. anything else. Same. I want people with different opinions. Yeah. And that's where it gets tough. Yeah. Because nobody Going wants back to what opinions. we started about. Yeah. Nobody wants different opinions. Well, not when me. it comes to commerce. When it comes to commerce, people want, the, they want to know what works and they want to be able to measure it and they want to be able to make more and more and more and more and more. Yeah, true. And, you know, when I look at like some of the art that I've fallen in love with over the years, you know, most of the people that made it died without any money. And, but yet that has such a profound effect on me. And I sit in my, you know, my day job and I do my job and I get my paycheck and I have all my things. But there's a part of me that's like, what am I missing out on because I have all of that? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what if I just like really rejected it all and like tried to carve out something brand new? And I think like when I think about some of these types of things, there's people that are, that would kill for my life. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in like a, like I'm this so special thing, yeah. but I just know that there's people that like, if I left tomorrow, there'd be 30 people that would apply for the job that I have. Yeah. Or if I, you know, if I vacated my, uh, apartment tomorrow, you know, there'd be 30 people that would want to live there. So I get into these weird, like kind of mind fucks about it yeah. because that's when it gets back to, well, what can I do? Well, how open are they to diversity of thought when there's, you know, like remember that big scandal with Google and that um, that employee. Oh, that wrote the thing where it's like yeah. it's anti-white people. Right, or but I it was. felt like he shouldn't have got fired. Yeah, why did they fire him? That to me was the worst thing they yeah, could have done. Yeah, so it was all secretive and everything. But I feel like they they fired him because he it wasn't his opinion wasn't popular. It wasn't with the party line of the time. Yeah, and you know what? He had every right to feel the way he felt. Yeah. And even though we don't agree with it, he's still at every right. It should have came down to, is he good at his job or not? Exactly. Did they ever talk about that? I don't remember what the, I don't remember what the wrap not, up was on that. Not, it was such a blip. Not really. They there. just quieted him. You notice how you don't hear anything about him anymore? Yeah. Well, they got, I heard he sued and like they settled and he was working on a book or some, his story. Yeah. I, hey. I mean, I it's know. bound to happen. Yeah. I, I've heard that um, some of the Me Too people are like some of the, uh, the white dudes that have been like ousted because of Me Too are like trying to shop a series about being on that side of the fence. You know what? It's crazy that the Me Too movement just came out when when this stuff has been going on forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. Um, and I hate when things become hashtag. Yeah. It just takes away from the whole meaning of what it is, and it's really serious, right? It sucks the life out of it. Yeah. It becomes a slogan. Exactly. And that's when it takes away what it really means. Like, it's a real fucking problem. What do they call it? Slacktivism? Yeah. It's a real fucking problem. Yeah. I was, I feel really lucky because I came, my, my upbringing, I was also in a religious family. Um, I call it a cult. <laughs> Have you seen Jesus Camp? We can, that is that where you life. were? You were in yeah. the Jesus Camp? That was my life. <laughs> Maybe we should do more than one of these. <laughs> yeah. This is part one. The next one will be in a quieter place because holy shit is Hotel Utah bumping at four o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> Um, one of the things I feel like I did grow up with, uh, I was, I was raised by a mom and two sisters. And by the time I got into spaces where I saw that kind of stuff happening, like high school and college, I just, I didn't, I was like, what the fuck? Like, why are you treating someone like that? Like, why are you talking about her that way? Like, lo like the whole locker room talk thing, which somehow, if you think about it now, which is like, what, two years later, like... In some ways, that I think that kicked off where we are, but I don't think we went far enough. Do you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like it's like, oh, like, you know, okay, that, that, what's next? What's the next thing? You That's know? because it's a real problem. Yeah. And, and it's, 
it's happening everywhere and the people that you wouldn't even think yeah. are making these comments. Yeah. I mean, even when I was in the military, locker room talk. I mean, I what? can only imagine. It was crazy. Yeah. And tons of harassment daily. Yeah. I was yeah. used to it. So yeah. it wasn't a big deal to me. Um, but it is a big deal. Yeah. Um, but think about it. It's all of all of the people, even the people that are saying they're for the Me Too movement. Yeah. Are yeah. Some of the culprits. Yeah. Oh no. Some of the that dude from New York just came out. Eric, whatever he was, the DA or some some New York State guy that was like a big. He's like. There's a lot of like chatter about. I. He's done so much good. Yeah. And yet he's like. I don't know. I. I don't know. It's always those. I don't know the ones, details. Right? <laughs> it's always those ones. Yeah. I have a really good front. That's why I always want to know what's behind that. Yeah. Um, you know, the people that are really like, it's a PR. It's PR and marketing. Just a really good PR and marketing. What's that Shakespeare quote that I'll fuck up? Um, Me doth think you protest too much. Or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, there were some kids in high school. And when I went to high school, like it wasn't cool to be gay, you know? Yeah. And they would just, I'm not gay. But there was gay people everywhere. Oh, yeah. But they'd always be the ones like, like almost bashing other gays you know they because they were scared is that when it happened <laughs> yeah literally what happened what was the, the what was the tipping point on that one wow but you know what um i don't know i think just people felt so uncomfortable with being who they really are yeah. people are still like that yeah yeah i do anytime okay so weird weird story when i moved here I wear black a lot. I just wear black. I like black. You're wearing you're wearing black. We're black like got a every little, day. Got a little psychedelic going on there. <laughs> and uh, when I started at the te- first tech company I worked at, um, people called me Johnny Cash. And they're like, "Hey, Johnny Cash." I get the reference. Yeah. And I'd be like, "Right," but I'd be like, first of all, thank you." And second <laughs> of all, I don't even think like, why would you call me that?" Like, I it didn't feel it felt very generic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just because everyone else is wearing chambray, and I happen to be wearing all black because I lived in New York City for a dozen years, and that's like that's my wardrobe. Yeah, and that's my wardrobe too. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna like upgrade. Oh, I'm surprised I'm gonna wear peach next week. But I'm like, oh, yeah. My God. When you wear a color, do people like whoa? Because oh, yeah. anytime I do, they're like, what? my whole I recognize closet you. is like black clothes <laughs> because it's like I can switch it out, and I don't have to wear. If I wear the same shirt two days in a row, no one knows. Perfectly fine. Same, yeah. same Z's always. With, <laughs> black's the best color. Um, but I, I just was, I just remember thinking like, I don't even think you know who Johnny Cash is. Like, like anyone that would call me that and it became like a little meme. Yeah. I'd want to be like, name me one Johnny Cash song. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you don't even know why you're yeah, saying that. That's crazy. Cause he's the man in black. I get it. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> I just, it, it's, it's, I think the thing I'm getting lately is there's a lot more, um, the conversation is at least happening, but I don't feel like there's a lot of... It's like there's a lot of axes flying and a not, not a lot of wood getting chopped yeah. right now. Wow, I like that. Yeah. And I don't know... How do we get... You know, I don't know how we get to, like... Because I feel like... We're talking about outliers. I feel like... I feel like our president is an outlier. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. Whether Total. we agree with him or not... Right. He is different. He's this... And that's what appealed to a lot of people yeah. because everyone feels this weird... Um, He's a Gemini, by the way. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you eat a lot of McDonald's? Are you a McDonald's fan? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> There's, what's the word I'm looking for? I, everyone feels uh, disenfranchised and like, I don't, I don't feel like there's a warmth happening right now. And I felt that warmth for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm curious, okay, as a parent, uh, as someone who might be a parent, is thinking about being a parent, what do you worry about for your kid? 
Well, first of all, I'm raising black men, so there's a lot of fear in that department. Sure. Um, but, you know, I guess my biggest fear is, is feeling like they, they feel like they're going to feel like they can't express who they truly are. Like they have to fit some kind of mold. Um, and they have a lot of pressure, like maybe from family thinking, oh, you're not black enough. Oh, you're acting oh, too white. We have all, I've went through that my whole entire life. Sure. Um, why are you listening to Marilyn Manson? Right, right, right. You're a black girl. Right. Like that's one of the first concerts I ever went to, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And they're just like, that's just really weird. Um, right. I just want them to feel like they can be themselves. And I think that's the problem because they're oversaturated with just all these opinions and trolls and yeah. One of my sons has a YouTube channel, and I'm just like, how do you deal with the comments and yeah. the trolls and stuff like that? And and now, like, cyberbullying is just, like, a bigger problem. Yeah. And it's just like, I want them to feel like they can be unapologetically themselves 24-7 yeah, yeah. and not worry about the judgment of everyone around them. Like, yeah. be yourself. And I know that's, like, a cliche, and it's, like, all the... Sure. He says, "Be yourself," but yeah. do you really want me to be me? Yeah, that's all. That's always my question. Right? Do you really want me to be myself? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the corporate world doesn't. Um, people that want to sell you shit don't. They want you to, you know, they want to fit you into something so yeah. they know how to sell you something. Yeah. So I just want them to feel like they can be themselves. Yeah. And whether that's being dressed in all black or dressed in all pink. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is that they feel comfortable with, I want them to feel comfortable being that in this world. Yeah. It feels kind of impossible now. Right. But I don't know. You never know. I have faith in humanity. Kind of. <laughs> Do you think, so, you know, again, I'm a little older and I grew up before the internet and I, there was a, a long period in my life where I had to discover things on my own. Like yeah. I couldn't, you know, maybe someone gave me a book or maybe someone gave me a tape, uh, but for the most part, or a movie, like a VHS. Yeah. But for the most part, I, I felt like if I had an opinion, I kind of had to stew in it for a little while. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, having, having uh, other friends with children, like, I don't feel like that's necessarily, like, I don't feel like there's a lot of, like, step back and work it out time because they don't have to everything is readily at their fingertips what do you think we're giving up in that space like as as the a mom innocence of being a child so like adults like right away oh like, yeah you know everything yeah i have a 10 year old daughter and she knows like everything got it because she has google.com and, and she's good phone. at it and she's good at yeah it. like yeah. some of the things she tells me i'm like how do you know about that and she's like ma google right Ah, my cell phone, I can get on Google. And I'm like, <laughs> so I even asked my mom this. I'm like, how do we protect our kids? We yeah. can't even do that. Yeah. All we can do is give them the tools to yeah. protect themselves. And hopefully they'll put those tools into action. Right. Yeah. All we can do is lead them in the right direction and hope they keep going that way. Yeah. But literally with all the information that's out there, yeah. they are so smarter, so much younger. Yeah. We were so innocent when we were young. Yeah. 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 10 years old. Like I was. Come yeah, on. I don't even I remember. Was so innocent. Was that third, fourth grade? Something yeah, like that? I was so innocent. Yeah, and I now was, yeah. 10 years is like grown, maybe pregnant. I don't know. Yeah. It's like literally, I don't know if you've been like listened to kids like that are eight, nine and 10 in this day and age. I have not. They swear like sailors. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that. Oh, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> but it's kind of shocking growing yeah. up the way I grew up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. Hearing my son in the other room, fuck like, this, fuck that, fuck that yeah. motherfucker, oh, fuck you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like, 
okay, I just had to like take a step back and adjust to it. Yeah. Perfectly fine. I said I want him to express himself. Sure. But it's just a shocker comparing it to what I... What you got away with. Yeah. Or didn't get away with. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah. What's your biggest like fear for them? Um, biggest fear. Yeah. I just want them to make it through life without contemplating suicide. Shit. Self-worth, man. It's fucking crazy. Self-value. And that, I mean, that's all over the map for yeah. everybody. You know, how do you, how do you gain that? How do you embody it for yourself? Yeah. And I think it's funny because I, I've tried to be a person that never looked at my job as my identity, but soon, probably like 10 years ago, my job and my identity sort of like, they kind of merged. Yeah. You know? It's like that you're always known by your name, comma, your title. Yeah. Well, the joke in New York is, um, you know, where do you live? First question, what's your name? Yeah. Second question, where do you live? <laughs> and in San Francisco, it's what's your name? What do you do? Who do you work for? Who do you work for? Yeah. Woo! Yeah! Yeah, let's join that yeah, it's Yeah, the party is <laughs> happening. Um, bless you if you're listening this far. Um, you're partying with some people we don't know at Hotel Utah. Um, so, okay, so we're getting back. We're talking about outliers. I want to talk about... I felt like an outlier, which is so, I feel like such a softy, uh, you know, middle American when I say this, like I was in band growing up and everyone in my school was played football or basketball. So I was a musician. Choir. Yeah. And I was in choir. <laughs> theater. Yeah. And theater. Yeah. So I was an artsy. They, they called me an art fag. Like that was their nickname for me because they were all like sports was big in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I remember this, I had to struggle with my own identity and also to the fact that this was I wanted to be an art fag you know what I mean yeah so now looking at like having children and the, the thought of having children I think about where do I want to live and you live uh, in the Bay Area I live yeah I live outside a little bit outside the Bay Area um, because, is it considered outside the Bay Area yeah I think so because it's more towards like Sacramento or like Got towards that direction right and I moved out there because I needed more space that was my question for my family so okay so you made the purposeful choice to go somewhere where you felt would be better for you and your family yeah and affordable yeah because it's literally like we were in a really tiny apartment in the South Bay when we first moved here and I was mm -hmm. paying way more in rent. Sure, sure. And I moved out there and it was cheaper and I got like 3,100 square feet. So sure. I'm like, okay, I'll make the sacrifice to commute yeah. every day um, just so they have more space and yeah. they're safe. It's a safe neighborhood. Yeah. And there's good schools out here. So yeah, things change when you become a parent. You know? I can only imagine. <laughs> well, I, cause I think about, you know, having children and I think about what I want to be in an urban environment. Yeah. Um, with all the other stuff we talked about, you know, with the homeless and the transportation's great, but yeah. schools might suck. You're going to spend more money. Yeah. What kind of culture are these, you know, the kids going to see, mm -hmm. but then I think about, well, there's a whole other set of, you know, challenges when you move outside of that city. Like yeah. for you, it's time. I would think because oh, yeah. you spend so much time, coming into the city where where your you know your commerce is and then mm -hmm. going back out to where your family is yeah it's pretty expensive too <laughs> yeah i mean that's the other thing it's expensive it's time yeah um but yeah i think about like i guess i guess there's no way to avoid growing up no you know? it's not. <laughs> like it's not peter yeah. pan sorry yeah there's nothing <laughs> there's no idyllic uh path what um what would you say like you know because we're still talking about outliers what would you say is the big thing uh, in your current vocation, if there's one thing you could kind of change, 
about you know maybe tech and how they hire we talked a little about that is there is there like a messaging that should be explored or is there more of a um i don't know like an attitude that needs adjustment like i mean for me it's diversity of thought yeah same thing diversity of thought also really holding these managers accountable they always have this long wish list of what they want yeah and i feel like it's totally subjective yeah like i really always i always ask them like who can do the job? Like, really, do you need to meet all of these marks to right. do this job? Right. Because I know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do my job. <laughs> and, like, it just takes someone that's good at communication, yeah. right? And can read and write, yeah. right? Yeah. Basic stuff. Yeah. But then I'll go through these interviews and they're just so stressful. Yeah. So I guess, like, making interview process less stressful for yeah. people, Agreed. Agreed. making them feel more comfortable, and yep. also immersing them in the culture yeah. that they'll be working in yep. more so than, like, interrogate. It feels like an interrogation. It really does. You know what I mean? And again, I think that goes back to people have intense insecurity right now. Yeah. Like, everyone's worried that the sky is going to fall or right. they're going to lose their stuff. I heard, right. I heard the phrase last weekend hanging out with a couple. I'm always a afraid what did he, uh, the bottom's going to drop out. And it's like, why do we feel that way? Is it because we have so much information and like climate change and nuclear, you know, proliferation and like... I heard there's parts of the U.S. that aren't even protected. From climate change? No, from, from from like a nuclear attack. Oh, of course. I heard I mean, that last week and it was almost yeah. scared the... Scared the shit out of I me. I don't think any of it... Like if that goes down, like I don't know that you, you can't avoid the air. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I think, is it because we know so much now and and maybe we don't have religion to fall back on? Because, yeah. you know, for years, everyone's like, well, shit, if something goes down, I'll go to heaven. Yeah. And now atheism's like the number one religion, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know. I do feel like there's an intense, uh, people are just, they feel scared. Yeah. It is know? a pretty scared climate now. I'm yeah. pretty scared. Either whether they're scared of your color or they're scared of what they think you are, yeah. you know? I mean, just like even the, that that incident with the lady calling the cops on that couple in Oakland, having the are the the people that were barbecuing um, in Oakland. I didn't hear about this one. Oh my God, it's crazy! She she called the cops because they were barbecuing, and like, just like out in their backyard, it was a completely racist thing. They sure. were at like Merritt, yeah, and they were just they were just barbecuing, yeah. and she just called the cops, and then when the cops showed up. She just went into like this breaking down crying mode like, and something said was that wrong. they were harassing her. It was just crazy. I was yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, Everybody that, lives in fear. Yeah, that shit's people fear all the what time. they don't understand. That's because no one's talking. No, people yeah, exactly. don't even know their fucking neighbors you anymore. You need to get to understand. If you see something that makes you fearful, understand it. Like me, I'm afraid to death of heights. So you know what I did? I fucking went skydiving and I didn't ah! even plan it. I was just like, you know what? I gotta do I'm this. Fucking jumping out of a plane. And how did it go? And it was fucking amazing. Did you love it? I was scared to death, but it was fucking amazing. And I don't know if I would do it again, but when I did it, it was so euphoric. Do you have to do it again if you do it once? I, I don't probably think will. So. You know what I told my kids? I was like, on your 18th birthdays, we're going skydiving. Oh man. You'll do it again. Yeah, that means I'll do it again. <laughs> Not me. I'm afraid of heights, and I'm fine staying in a safe oh plane. Oh, my God. It's just like as soon as you leave that plane, okay, it's like literally seconds of sheer terror, yeah. right? Like you feel like you just hopped off the top of a, or the tallest building. Yeah. But when you get to that point where your parachute deploys yeah. and you just see the world, yeah. and it's freaky quiet yeah, and peaceful, and everything looks like Google Maps, Google Earth, and you're just looking, and it's just like quiet, 
yeah. and it's at peace. And you're just looking around and just like, this world is really fucking beautiful. Yeah. And you put things into perspective. And that was me. And when I got to the ground, it was just such an exhilarating feeling. And I was like, why the fuck was I so scared of this? Yeah. Right? Well, yes. I'm still scared, but I'm not I'm not as afraid as I was before. So I feel like you just got to immerse yourself and yeah. you, you got to face it. Yeah. head on and you got to keep facing it and keep facing it yeah. and keep facing it until you're no longer afraid yeah so if you know if you're a black person that has a problem with white people or vice versa you need to immerse yourself in that community yeah until you get to understand it yeah right um and then you'll start that's that's what's going to bring humanity together yeah people just kind of trying to understand yeah it just takes understanding. That's yeah. all people need. <laughs> uh, that, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know if you've... I've, I've gone down some rabbit holes with uh, astronaut interviews. <laughs> and I love rabbit holes. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland is like my favorite Well, the YouTube, <laughs> the YouTube universe is vast, but I've gone down where, you know, they talk to astronauts that have spent time in space, and they all... You watch these interviews, they're just like they're like a glow like they have a different way of looking at life because they see that we're just this there's just fucking rock in the middle of nowhere yep and we're all on it and yep. there's no we're there's no stuck. second there's no second planet waiting for yep. us if the sun explodes we're all gonna die yeah together yeah <laughs> hopefully it'd... the question is would you want to know would you want like i wouldn't want to know you just want it to happen that's that's the, that's the crazy thing about having too much information some yeah. things you shouldn't know right because then you're going to obsess and be fearful and you're going to do all make all these rash decisions yeah because you're you already know you're going to die soon right i'd rather always live my best life every yeah. day yeah and if it happens it just fucking happens and yeah. i'll be on top of the fucking world when it happens i'll be happy as shit not fucking worried oh my god five more minutes until we're all dead <laughs> like no i want to enjoy every moment every second of my fucking life yeah yeah i think we should end there Okay. You have anything else you want to talk about? No. Well, this is great. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. Remember the quote from Vicky. You want to enjoy every second of your fucking life. Yep. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Vicky. I really enjoyed hanging out with her. And I think we're going to do a whole other episode on religion at some point down the line. Subscribe to Earhopper Presents on iTunes. Check out our YouTube channel, Earhopper, where you can see videos augmenting this and every episode this year. And you can also hear us on SoundCloud, www.earhopper.com. Have a great week, and take it light time.